Hi, this is Dr. Steve Hodges on the Dr. Steve Hodges uh, podcast. Uh, today, we're fortunate to be interviewing uh, Sally Kazemchek, a registered dietitian and author of the book, The 101 Healthiest Foods for Kids. Uh, she also uh, runs the website realmomnutrition.com. Uh, Sally, uh, thank you so much for your time and welcome uh, today. Thanks for having me. So I'm, um, I often tell you I'm, I'm, really not good at, at the diet part of this problem that we face with kids and uh, we often um, uh, butt heads because she's trying to do the right thing and I'm just trying to keep things uh, easy in the house and I know that's not, not a good way to, to do things. I, I often take the laxative route when um, probably I could um, do a better job with, with diet. Uh, my, mom, my wife obviously does a good job but and I know a lot of the parents that uh, maybe you interact with and I interact with are really obviously conscientious because they're they're looking for information to help their kids they're online and they're interested in natural kind of whole food ways to um to keep their kid healthy and 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 from my perspective uh, keep them kind of going to the bathroom regularly uh but as both of us are parents of uh, kids we know it's not easy and so I, I was going to start off by saying in terms of what where I see problems in kids is the transition, right, from formula, um, breast milk to solids, and even as little as um, adding rice cereal, you know, to uh, some foods. And so, do you have much experience in terms of uh, starting kids on real foods and how that transition works for families? Yeah, and actually, the research shows that parents do a pretty good job of feeding babies when they're first starting solids. You know, there's lots of fruits and vegetables, lots of different colors. You know, parents are really focused on introducing a lot of new foods. It's actually when kids sort of transition from those baby foods, those first foods, into mostly table foods where things start to go wrong. And we see kids eating fewer fruits, fruits and vegetables, um, getting more sugar, you know, just getting more of those sort of um, highly processed foods. So um, it's not so much those first solid foods, it's when kids become toddlers and they're eating what we're eating and they're saying no and they're making demands. That's when it sort of starts to go south for most kids. Yeah, you're bringing back some memories where when, when my kids were sitting in high chairs and you could just kind of throw anything on the on the table there they would eat they would eat everything they would eat peas and exactly every, whatever I put down and, and then once they got yeah. yeah once they got their own personality yeah, I, hear from, I hear from parents who say you know I'm so lucky my baby will eat everything I put on her high chair and I just sort of smile and nod because you know what's coming is that when those babies become toddlers um, many of them, it's very developmentally appropriate, will start saying no and refusing foods. And suddenly, you know, everything that you put on your child's plate, they're not necessarily going to eat. And so that leads to a lot of frustration for parents. And that's what sometimes leads to parents giving up on foods. You know, after a couple of times with their child saying no, then suddenly green beans are no longer offered or whatever it is. And so um, that's when, you know, that's, that's, it's very understandable that that happens, but that's definitely one of those the reasons is that, you know, your child who would eat everything suddenly won't. And, um, you know, food starts to sort of disappear from the repertoire. And then you're making me think it goes to the logical extreme of where they won't try anything new. Like, it, I could give my kid a, like a, I don't know, something that tastes like chocolate cupcake, but if it was, they thought it was a healthy food, they wouldn't even try. You know, it's just, it's so, it's so funny how, 
how they become so distrustful because they think we're trying to sneak in um, foods that maybe they wouldn't like. To go back to kind of that age, do you see um, or do you hear a lot about dairy being an issue in terms of we talk a lot about in my field like cow's milk and cheese uh, and some people try to avoid cow's milk and try to stick with maybe soy milk. Do you see that causing issues in children or what are your thoughts on that topic? Parents definitely, you know, obviously need to watch for any kind of sensitivities or allergies and, you know, talk with their pediatrician about that. I think sometimes people sort of um, chalk a lot of things up to dairy that may or may not be dairy's fault. And I think sometimes, too, people will give their toddlers and preschoolers too much milk, you know, and kids are drinking milk all day long, for instance, and they don't really need that much milk at all. Um and that can be, you know, interfere with mealtime, for instance. Like kids can get really full drinking milk. It's very filling, especially if you're serving whole milk. Um, and so you really need to kind of watch that. Um, but, I, you know, I think that before people write off dairy completely, they really need to take a hard look at why they're doing it, talk to their pediatrician or their dietitian, because dairy does give a lot of nutrients that if you suddenly take that out, and you go to something like almond milk, for instance, that's not going to have hardly any protein in it. Um, and if you're doing, you know, at-home nut milk, so I see a lot of people doing that, those obviously aren't going to have calcium and vitamin D in them because you know, the, the non-dairy milks at the store will be fortified. So you really just, you can't sort of cut out a whole group like that willy-nilly without sort of looking at the reasons why you're doing it and make sure that you have substitutes that will cover those nutrients that you're suddenly taking away. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I've, I've looked at the, just for my own my own nutrition, like eating, whatever, like the nutritional uh, profile of those op, op, other milk products and they're really lacking. I, I, I would echo that. So I think what, what I see in my practice, and you know, our, our, we have very different kind of um, experiences, but I, I'll see a, a child that, just change something in their diet so like they're when they when they introduce something new in it uh, alters the text uh, the texture the consistency of their or their bowel movements and that causes some issue some holding behavior and i have my own ways of of kind of transitioning um them maybe on laxives uh, i don't really have an uh, a repertoire of dietary changes to help with that i'm assuming the parents are you know feeding the feeding them the best they can and i try to help them guide with with other supplements or additives to to make that easier do you have any thoughts on that just as as they transition and the poop changes with food changes and maybe the children have issues with that? Is there any way to, to lessen that or is that just kind of the process of getting to table foods? Are you talking about when they first start table foods or are you talking about like adding a lot of fiber and suddenly seeing bowel changes with a lot of fiber? Oh, no. I, I'm, like, I'm thinking from what I see, I'll see like um, – uh, two main ish, two main moments where like things pop up in these kids. For example, um, well, three maybe. Right at birth, if you're, they're born with it and they just don't like to let their bowel movements out. Two is like when you're thickening up the formula with the rice cereal, and three is when table food and and and, and whole milk are being introduced. And and you can also happen like with an illness, like they'll get diarrhea or something. And and I just I struggle with ways to make that transition smoother for kids. And um, I definitely think. They're not getting enough fiber, regardless as they get into as they get into kind of more, I guess, adult type diet. But um, the, those changes in, in in intake by the kids change their bowel consistency, and I think they have a hard time dealing with that. And I don't know if there's any way to to deal with that other than just uh, kind of be conscientious about what you feed them. 
Yeah, I think, you know, sort of keeping track of, of what you're feeding them and what those changes are and then not, not panicking, you know. I mean, I think when we are changing our children's diapers, we can become really obsessed with every little change and start thinking, well, maybe I need to take out this, maybe I need to do that. And sometimes parents will take out a whole bunch of things and try a bunch of things at once and then it's really hard to know what is causing those changes. You know, it's like all these different variables, you know. Um, so I would say, like, just from my perspective, like, you know, keep track of what you're feeding. If you're going to make a change, just make one at a time. And if you're suddenly increasing fiber, obviously, as you know, um, that can cause bowel changes as well. When parents decide, my child's constipated, I need to add more fiber-rich foods, and all of a sudden, there's a change in bowel habits. But as children get used to that increased fiber, those those um, changes will level out and, you know, won't be um, quite so you know, striking, striking as they are at first. And adding fiber a little bit at a time also helps. So sometimes parents will be like, oh gosh, I need to overhaul and change everything to high fiber and feed all of these you know, high fiber fruits and vegetables. And that can be a real shock to the system if people are not kids and adults are not used to that. Yeah, you know, so it's um, the main problem I see, you know, are, are firmer bowel movements. And I, I, I know obviously fiber soluble or insoluble i guess you, you can do additives or in foods will help that but it's so hard to get um high fiber meals in kids at least in my experience or do you have any tips or tricks in that in terms of uh, are there guidelines parents could follow in terms of uh, putting up enough fiber in their children's diet so that when they do eat their bowel movements aren't you know uh firm enough to, to lead to withholding yeah, so I think um, there there are some some obstacles that parents have. For instance, some kids do not like the taste of whole grains, and I'm talking about like the whole grain bread and whole grain pasta, and that that actually goes for my kids too. Have been who have been eating those foods since day one. You know, when they when they um, are somewhere where they're eating white bread, they much prefer white bread. <laughs> like so, you li- you yeah. lied to us. Yeah, yeah, they, uh, you know, they just, they just do. They just prefer that sort of milder taste. You know, whole yeah. wheat bread and whole wheat pasta can be chewier. It can be just have a stronger flavor. And so, um, some of the things that I suggest to people are, for instance, you can mix, you know, whole grains and um, refined grains. So you can do, you know, one slice of white bread, one slice of whole grain bread on your sandwich. You can do half and half of pasta. You can serve things that you might not think about being whole grains, so things like oatmeal and popcorn, and those are two foods that most kids really like. And then just kind of focusing on getting a fruit or vegetable at most meals and snacks. It doesn't have to be every one, but if you sort of have that rule of thumb, like, okay, it's a meal or snack time, what fruit and or vegetable can I serve? Those things can go a long way in, in getting enough fiber, because as we know, kids are not getting nearly as much fiber. They get about half, a little bit more than half of what they need every day. So there's tons of room for improvement. Yeah, and so, you know, I, my wife being a dietitian, we've tried, you know, different tricks to, um, smoothies like never go over well. I don't know why, like, uh, I, I guess they're expecting it to taste like a milkshake or something. And so that's tough. I know in your, in your Healthiest Foods for Kids book, you have some recipes for things. What, what are your favorite ways to kind of sneak fiber into meals for kids um i'm always looking for like some magic bullet snack that kids love to eat and makes them poop you know i I, it's it's tough (laughs) other than miralax i I don't know if you have any kind of favorite go-to items for that yeah i like 
adding flaxseed to things. I have a recipe in the book for like a nut-free snack ball that has um, some flaxseed in it. I think oats are a great thing. Like those snack balls actually have oats in them as well. Um, uh, let's see what else. So, I saw a red, red lentil cookies. Are really a lentil cookie? Yes, red lentil cookies. So lentils are one of those things that my kids sort of struggle to like. Yeah, I love them now. I hated them as a kid. You know, we have to remember that, that we're playing the long game. Just because your child doesn't like something now doesn't mean they will, you know, grow up and hate that food as well. So, um, yeah, so I, I think what's, what's really important is that we introduce those foods that kids are really reluctant about, if we, if, that we introduce them in sort of a safe way and sort of a kid-friendly way so that when they eat a cookie that has red lentils in it, they can think, oh, I ate this cookie and it had lentils in it, and, and it was actually pretty good, and and that's okay, and I, you know, I survived, and so then it just sort of makes them think about red lentils in a slightly different way. So when I created that recipe, it wasn't like, oh, don't worry about ever serving your kids lentils in doll, for instance, or any other way, um, but here's just sort of a, a method for, you know, giving them, taking sort of a baby step toward toward eating that food in its more, like, whole, you know, original form. So, you know, anytime you, you can do that with, there's lots of recipes online for, like, blending beans into things like black bean brownies or doing a bean dip or even something like hummus or anything that can get them sort of baby steps towards, you know, eating beans, like eating rice and beans or bean soup or whatever. Those are obviously a great source of fiber. So, um, you know, absolutely, I, I have nothing against, I don't want to call it sneaking because I always tell parents, Make sure your kids know what's in it. So don't just give them the red lentil cookies and be like, here, I made you these. <laughs> okay. I, I was wondering if you just yeah. say, here's some cookies for you or, or you actually tell them. I, yeah, I definitely tell them. And then, you know, even better yet, like, have your kids make them with you so they can see, like, wow, we took these lentils and we made cookies out of them. And that's pretty neat. So um, because, you know, sneaking, it's just not going to it's not gonna teach them anything. And like you referred to earlier in the conversation, you know, kids saying, being suspicious about, oh, what's this healthy food? I don't want to eat it. <laughs> yeah, and totally. Then, yeah, yeah and there, there is research to show that when you tell kids that something is healthy, that it doesn't, they don't eat as much of it as when you say the exact same thing and you call it um, healthy, or you call it, excuse me, um, delicious or tasty. So kids want to know that, that something is, is yummy, not that like, oh, eat this because it's good for you. So that just kind of takes the fun out of it, right? Yeah, I, I got to remember that. So this ties into kind of like your so your your personal philosophy. I, I know it's expanded upon in your site and your and your book, but like in terms of feeding kids, you know, so that my wife always hammers home the, um, you know, you offer them a meal, right? Like a, a, a well balanced meal. You try your best. You you minimize snacking so they're hungry for the meal, and then kind of they take what they get. Is that is that the general kind of uh, guidelines from the dietitian community for for feeding children? The kind of the most popular, or one of the most popular philosophies comes from um, a fellow dietitian named Ellen Satter, who does something called the Division of Responsibility. And she says parents are responsible for what is served and when, and the child's responsible for whether they eat it and how much. So as a parent, your only job is providing that healthy food at mealtime or snack time, deciding what is served, setting it down on the table, and then your job is done. And that's really hard for a lot of parents who want to micromanage what their kids eat, right? Saying, you need to take however many more bites. We can't have this until you eat that. And, you know, we, we sort of um, just take over that whole process of eating for our kids. 
and when really we should just be providing the food and, and sitting back and letting them do the rest. Now, an important caveat here is that you want to make sure that um, at least some of what you're serving is food that you know that your child likes. And so I'm, I'm a big proponent of make one dinner. Like, do not make yourself and your spouse a dinner and that your kids a different dinner. And some people will make a separate meal for each of their kids. And I just think nobody has time for that. It's not teaching your kids anything. It's not helping them grow and expand what they're eating. So make one meal, but just make sure there's something on the table that they like. So that might just be a dish of fruit. That just might be rice, whatever it is. Then if they say, but I don't like enchiladas, you can say, well, you don't have to eat the enchiladas, but there's rice and fruit on the table, and I know you like those, or whatever it is. Um, and then um, the, the idea is that your child with enough exposures will decide to take a bite of the enchiladas and then maybe two bites and maybe they will like enchiladas. And I use enchiladas as an example because that's one food that my kids did not like. And then gradually I served it enough times because I really like them that they, um, they now eat them. So I think you just have to be really patient, serve the healthy foods that you want your kids to be eating and give them chance, give them the chance and give them time to, um, you know, to warm up to these foods and eventually try them. It's like I'm talking to my wife. It's so funny. And because, you know, I grew up, I'm Greek, so I grew up with the opposite, like where you're like basically you're <laughs> someone's always around you making you eat and they'd make you whatever you wanted if you didn't eat because, you know, they grew up starving. So that's like the worst thing is a, a kid, especially like I was a small kid so that, you know, they thought like if they fed me more, I'd, I'd grow more or something. So that that is a struggle for me and I, I get that you know but you know I, I try to remember remind myself you know no one's starving in our house that you know there's there's plenty of stuff available um and when you give in and maybe give them snacks then that ruins kind of the old um beyond their their bowel movements which which i worry about professionally it's just it's not good habits for their long-term health and and um and it's just bad parenting so i, I i'm i'm bad at that i'll i'll, I'll admit to that <laughs> luckily um my wife follows your philosophy. Um, is it, is the we all know about fiber? Obviously, what sugar is one of those things where too. You know, we try to limit. My wife really limits that. I, 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 am kind of you know as long as they're brushing their teeth and they're and they're and they're getting their nutrition, I'm not so much a big deal about sugar. What what are you what are your thoughts on sugar in the children's diet and and also the difference between sugar which is in fruits and other things that maybe um, have high sugar versus you know artificial uh, sweeteners or just sugar in non-healthy foods? Yeah, so obviously there is natural sugar in fruit. There's also natural sugar in milk. Sometimes people freak out when they see the sugar in yogurt, for instance. And even if it's a sweetened yogurt, you have to remember that some of that sugar is natural. So even if you bought a carton of plain yogurt, it's still going to list sugar on there because it's the lactose, the milk sugar. Um, you know, ditto for fruit. It's going to have natural sugar in it. And so, obviously, a lot of people are really thinking about sugar right now. I am absolutely not for a, like, no sugar approach. Sometimes I see articles about doing a sugar detox with your child or going no sugar, and I think that that um, has the potential to be kind of damaging to your yeah. child. Yeah. Um, and so I definitely do not support that. Sugar is hard because it makes a lot of healthy foods taste good, right? So. 
even when we're thinking about a whole grain cereal, and I'm not even talking about, you know, like a, a super sugary cookie cookie cereal or something, but even, you know, even like a, a healthy whole grain cereal might have a few grams of sugar, or even even a lightly sweetened yogurt is going to have some added sugar in it, or, you know, chocolate milk. Like, I'm actually, I'm, I have no problem with chocolate milk, and my kids have a glass of it almost every day. Um, and there, too, there's a, there's a food, milk, that is healthy, and the sugar um, like my older son doesn't like white milk. He only likes chocolate milk. So he will eat like yogurt and cheese and a little bit of chocolate milk for his, his calcium. So I think that um, parents can stress a little too much about added sugar. I think where the no-brainer way to cut back sugar is, on, is in drinks. And there's a lot of research to show that sugary drinks are a big problem, not only for kids and adults. So. I always tell people, if you're worried about sugar, if you want to cut back sugar, think about drinks. And I know I mentioned chocolate milk, but chocolate milk is not really what I'm worried about. It's the the soda and the fruit drinks and the energy drinks and the sweetened teas. And as kids get into their teens, the coffee drinks, all of those things are loaded with sugar and will give you such a huge delivery of sugar into your system that it's really not like any food that you would eat you know it's so far above and beyond you know when you look at the teaspoons of sugar for instance in a can of soda um it'd be awfully hard to eat that much sugar but very easy to drink it down so that's kind of the first place i would suggest that parents look at and then just to sort of be cognizant of all the foods that have added sugar and i don't stress about like the sugar and ketchup you know some people have a get all bent out of shape about sugar and ketchup and I feel like that's not a fight I want to have and ketchup allows my kids to eat all kinds of foods that they might not otherwise you know like kids will dip vegetables in ketchup or whatever it is and I think that's kind of a nice like delivery system for trying new foods so I don't stress about stuff like that but all the other stuff that you're giving like look at the packages and Look at the energy bars and the gummy fruit snacks and the cereals and just sort of see when you're shopping if there's a way to reduce it a little bit. Um, I think just as if you counted up all the sugar that kids get in a day, it is it can be quite high. And we're not even talking about desserts. We're talking about things like granola bars and things that parents aren't really thinking about. So I sort of like to take a moderate approach on it you know watch the sugary drinks first and then kind of go from there and um when that when we're talking about desserts i sort of like to think about the whole day so if you think about um oh well after you know after school you went to some event and they served cookies so we're not going to have dessert tonight or whatever it is just sort of taking a reasonable sort of common sense approach to sweets i think will help parents I, 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 but I just don't think you have to go to any kind of extreme or um, be really fearful of sugar in the way that I see that kind of being hyped a little bit in the media right now yeah I think two things that you've mentioned that I've also seen kind of folks overreacting about are, are sugar and then the um, food sensitivities in terms of everyone's looking for like um, a reason for the at least the constipation the kids I deal with like you know what caused it and a lot of it may be behavioral or genetic or psychological and so um they're there in i think about these kids when they're older there's nothing they really can't eat so they just ate something when they were younger that maybe caused them to withhold but it's not like they have 
uh, an allergic reaction to the food and they eat the foods fine they digest them fine it's just they have some you know some constipation issues so to uh, keeping them parents from trying to do a million allergy tests you know in a kid that's otherwise healthy or or like take away the food like you mentioned or or sugar i think is uh, is good advice yeah, I feel like we're, everyone is, as a dietitian, I will say, I, I like when people look to their diets as like, oh, how can I improve my health or how can I help ease whatever symptom I'm having? I really like when people think about food. And I think we can also get to this extreme where we assume everything is because of something we eating, we're, we're eating and we start to demonize whole classes of food and say, well, it must be the gluten, it must be the sugar, it must be the dairy. And especially with kids, when you start cutting things out, you really have to be careful. I mean, kids are kids are growing and developing, and they need nutrients for that process. So um, yeah, I see I, I see that a lot. Wary of food sensitivity. Yeah, I see that a lot. And so when, I mean, when you know, because people are cutting out all sorts of things. So food sensitivities, you you should have some kind of systemic response, right? You check for that when you actually like if you eat a peanut and you have a peanut reaction. Obviously, that's just food sensitivity, but. Otherwise, um, I, I you know I, I don't push it, and I, it sounds like you agree. Yeah, I mean, food sensitivities are you know it's a very vague sort of nebulous concept, and there's no test for food sensitivity like there would be for you know a food allergy, for instance. So I you know and there's now there are the mail order kits that you can buy, yeah. and all. I just think it's it's a very um, it's a slippery slope with. Um, Figuring out maybe foods that could be bothering us and cutting out things because of an unproven test. I think it's very tricky. Very good. One other kind of thought, and I'll, I'll let you go soon here because it's been a half an hour already. Amazing. Do, do you have any thoughts on probiotics in terms of supplements or like natural probiotics, like such as in yogurts and so forth? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously there's a lot of research going on in probiotics. Not all strains have been proven to be effective and it's still I feel like it's still sort of in the early stages um, in terms of, of you know this strain will will help you you know will ease your your stomach woes or boost your immune system or whatever and there are a lot of claims I think obviously it's always great to have those fermented foods in in our diet so things like kefir and yogurt and um, you know, even things like kimchi, if your child is a little bit of an adventurous <laughs> yeah. eater, you know, sauerkraut, sourdough bread, things like that. Um, and, you know, definitely there are plenty of probiotic supplements. I think you have to do your research on on what, you, what you're looking for that probiotic to do. You know, are you looking at it for more general health? Are you looking for it to, you know, ease a diarrhea with um, an antibiotic, for instance? Um, and I think you just have to go into it knowing that it is early stages and not every strain is going to be effective and to do a little bit of research and homework into what might help you the best. Um, but obviously adding those foods to the diet, those are healthy foods, you know, things like, uh, like the yogurt and kefir, those are really healthy foods and those would be great um, to add uh, to anybody's diet. Well, that is awesome. This is good. I, it's coming up on a half hour, so I won't keep you longer. Maybe we'll do a part two at some point. I wanted to thank you for um, uh, for taking the time. To, I know you're very busy. I, I want to go over your site again. It's www.realmomnutrition.com, and the book is The 101 Healthiest Foods for Kids. Sally Kazemchek, um, thank you very much for your time. Thank you.